0: Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo.
1: And I'm Drew Evans.
0: Well, Drew, after a brief hiatus while I was traveling and you were being a first semester 1L, uh, it's great to be back on the microphones to talk some mock trial. We've got an awesome guest with us here today that we're going to get to in just a moment. We've got so much to break down uh, the last couple months of tournaments and uh, things that have been happening in the AMTA community, and I am really excited to get to all of that and to really get a chance to dig into all of those topics before we do that. Uh, we did want to acknowledge some some very sad news that happened in the AMTA community recently, uh, that we all recently learned of the passing of the head coach of Stanford mock trial, uh, Tom Shear. uh, Tom was a guest on this podcast. He was a friend to both drew and I, uh, we do think we're probably going to do a whole episode, um, talking about his legacy in this community but we did want to just take a moment at the beginning of this episode to acknowledge his passing um i'll read very briefly from this the really wonderful statement that amta released um it's a full page everyone should read it but it said tom was an extremely accomplished coach at the high school and collegiate levels the longtime head coach of menlo school's high school mock trial program tom led his team to one california state championship Eight uh, San Mateo County Championships, five NorCal Invitational Championships, and six Providence Cup Invitational Championships. He is the only coach to win Gladiator, the one-on-one high school mock trial championship twice. A graduate of Stanford University and alumnus of its mock trial team, Tom became the school's head coach, head mock trial coach in 2016. Since then, Stanford reached the national championship tournament every season and frequently placed among the top 10 nationally. In those five years, Tom's students won 83 individual and team awards, the most of any coach in Stanford's history. Uh, and, and Drew, I, I've been thinking a lot about Tom over the last couple of weeks since I learned this news. He was such a wonderful and vibrant member of this community and, and just of the world. Uh, and it's just such a huge loss to hear uh, of his passing. So I've really been thinking about him and and thinking of the folks at, at Stanford Mock Trial.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where I remember when I first learned about it and I had a moment of like, Oh, that's that can't be real. Like he's just, he's so young and, and vibrant and just it took me aback. And I mean, I, I was maybe two years ago, maybe less that we had him on the podcast with Jack. Yeah. And yep. uh, I mean, it it just rocked me to my core, honestly. And I, I, I totally agree with everything that you said, Ben. Um, my heart goes out to the Stanford Mock Trial Program, to the friends and family. I mean, it's just it's heartbreaking to lose someone like that. And uh, and you're you're right in what you were saying, Ben. He's just he was such a pillar of this community in so many ways, and was so involved. And losing someone like him um, hurts us all, really. But um, it you know obviously takes its toll on on Stanford's program. So I'm really excited to to hear how they end up doing this year. Um, obviously, it's going to have a lot of meaning to them. So that's something that we'll definitely be watching closely, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about it in even more detail later.
0: Yeah. I think he's the type of person where we could probably do 20 podcast episodes, (laughs) just talking about his legacy. So like, like we mentioned, we're not going to dwell on it today because we want to have the opportunity to really put something together to properly talk about just, you know, how important he was to the community. But we really wanted to acknowledge that at the beginning of this episode. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and move us forward because we've got a lot of really great stuff to discuss today. So much has been happening on uh, the entire Mock Trial community since we last uh, were with you all, since we talked to Ria and broke down the first couple tournaments of the year. And we have got a fantastic guest with us here today to talk about all of that. And that would be the president of Penn State Mock Trial, Dan Cohen. Now, Dan... Uh, has been a very successful member of our mock trial community, who was an all-national attorney last year for Penn State. Last year, Penn State placed ninth in their division at nationals. They're currently the 16th ranked team in the country. They're a perennial nationals team and just one of the best teams in the country every year. Dan has picked up right where he left off this year. He's won awards at Gamte, Scarlet and Gray, and Toro, and he's in his second year as Penn State's president. Penn State, as we will discuss, has popped up on several of the... um, the leaderboards for the best tournaments in the country, which is part of the reason we wanted to have a chance to chat with Dan. So Dan, thanks so much for making time to come on the show. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I'm just super stoked to get into all the details of Penn state mock trial and talking about how y'all have been doing. Uh, but as you may know, we like to start all of our uh episodes when we have a guest on the same way. We like to talk about people's origin story, meaning how they got involved in mock trial and what kind of got them hooked on this activity in the first place. So can you go back to the beginning of where it started for you and give us your origin story?
2: Yes. Uh, I guess my first introduction to mock trial, it was early. It was in, I think, fifth grade. Um We had oh, wow. this like, <laughs> yeah, we had this enrichment class where we did a mock trial. It was the fifth graders versus the sixth graders. We got to go to the Doylestown courthouse in PA. Uh, and we did this trial. I think it was texting and driving and then they hit somebody and left. It was so fun. Obviously nothing like college mock trial, but I guess that was my first real introduction to it. <laughs> um, fast forward a few years later, I joined in high school on my team, my junior year, uh, fell in love with it even more, had an amazing team, amazing coach. From that point, I knew I wanted to do it in college. uh, So I would make sure I was looking at schools that at least had a team. Um, I ended up at Penn State, not for that reason, but (laughs) that certainly contributed. Um, And I guess what got me hooked in mock trial, I was walking around the Mm -hmm. Evolvent Fair. Um, I remember it so clearly, like little freshman me. Uh, I was walking around and I'm passing this booth and this guy just... Thrusts this giant trophy in my hands and he asks, Do you like to win? <laughs> from that point on, it was I was just sold on mock trial. I mean, that's that's been our recruitment strategy for a long time. We've carried it on since. I love it. Um so yeah, from that point on, it was history. I loved the people, the atmosphere was awesome. I love argumentation, the competitiveness. So from that point on, I just had to do it.
0: It's it's so funny because you know obviously our three schools between penn state and umbc and haverford we in in in-person seasons we tend to see each other a lot and so ever since we started doing this activity i feel like we you know umbc plays penn state like 10 times a year that uh the first two times we went to nationals we we played penn state um and and you all are such an interesting program because you're such a huge state school right you're this massive state school you know and, and you're a student run program, and you're always one of the top teams in AMTA. So take us behind the curtain a little bit of how things work at Penn State. Like I mentioned a moment ago, this this is your second year as president. Uh, so you, you've been very involved in the leadership for a little while now. So just give us a sense of how your program works and, and what you think leads to so much success.
2: Yeah, well, I think our size honestly lends to a lot of our success. Like you said, we're a huge state school, and we're a huge team. We start out, with a lot of tryouts, and in the very beginning of the year, we start out with six unstacked teams who we all compete against each other in a tournament, and then we all go out to an invitational. And from there, we whittle down to five teams uh, still in the first semester, and then we end up with four or five in the stacked season in the second semester. So the size is definitely a plus. We get to see so many different tournaments. We, especially this year, I guess, got to run so much different material with different theories, seeing how everything plays out. And that is really advantageous down the road because if we see something at regionals, we're usually not surprised by it. We've seen it, we've heard about it, we've discussed it. All of that really contributes to kind of just our buildup towards that amp season. Uh, another thing that I think really works for us is being student-run. We take a lot of pride in that, that we do everything ourselves. We are very close. We basically have this office in our student center. We call it the hub. And it's pretty much populated 24 seven with people in there usually talking about mock trial or doing work, trying to focus and end up talking about mock trial anyway. Um, Yeah, it's nice that we have so many people who genuinely love the activity and really draw each other in. We have such an amazing support system for each other. Um, so that really helps. And then I guess the last thing um, that I would say is a core tenant of how we operate is kind of the connections between the older and younger people. So in the fall semester, we don't really fully stack. We do that in the spring semester. We make sure that there's always older and younger people experience, inexperience, uh, as far as you know scoring and awarding versus not We really try and make those teams as balanced as possible so that they can learn from each other because we know that usually, you know, the people who are scoring the best or winning awards, they're typically older and they have a lot to pass on. So we don't really find it helpful to kind of put them all in an A team in the beginning and then have none of that knowledge transfer happen. So we really prioritize communicating between each other. I personally, I mean, I'm older, but I've had almost half the org, if not The entirety, which is 60 people, Uh, look at my material. I've run it for people. They give me feedback. I've had first years give me excellent feedback. And we really rely on that from each other because we don't have a coach. We seek so much feedback and use that to improve.
1: Well, Dan, it's great hearing about that. I mean, it's funny as someone that has been pointed out competes with you guys a lot and knows the program well. It's always fun to kind of hear how it works. Um, But I've always been kind of curious. You know, with COVID last year, I I think that a lot of programs really struggled with kind of continuing their traditions and legacies. And I think especially for student-run programs, um, that that may have been really hard for a lot of them. You know, if it's a coached program, you kind of maintain that institutional knowledge in the form of your coach. But a student-run program, to the point that you were just making... Uh, they lose a lot of that that they would have been getting in terms of the experience, uh, getting to see older members work. And I'm just curious, like, what do you think? Do you think that's had any negative effect? Do you think that you guys did anything to get around that? Or do you feel like it, it really didn't affect you guys that much and you felt like online mock trial was pretty much the same?
2: Yeah, the transition to online, I think, was easier than our transition back to in-person. With the online, I think it was new for everybody. And so everybody kind of started from square one, trying to figure out how it worked, how to use the medium the best, you know, how to animate a demo to be appealing and readable and all that fun stuff. Um, so we kind of just, I think, went along with everybody else and trying to figure it out. But transitioning back to person, I think definitely was tough. We had, um, I think we only have two members now who are left who competed a full year, our freshman year. So two seniors Um, and we definitely had in the beginning a knowledge gap in terms of how in-person mock trial works, where you stand, how you impeach a witness with a physical paper. (laughs) So that was definitely tough, but like I said, we've had some amazing competitors really step up working over time to help get everybody caught up to speed. Um, Another benefit of the online, I guess, uh, transferring into this year, we've competed mostly in person, but a lot of our scrimmages have had Zoom judges. Mm. And we've kind of broadened our access to where we can get feedback from. And so we've had a ton of alumni. Um, we've had Grant Keener. He's given us amazing feedback via Zoom where we do a scrimmage in person, but they're on the camera and we just project their face on the screen. So we've definitely had to kind of dig a little bit deeper in who we're getting feedback from to try and get that push back into person because it was really tough teaching the people who were First year's last year, learning mock trial via Zoom, and now having to do it for their first time in person.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's funny that you say that you were worried about that transition. I I think as we get into these results, I think many of our listeners may think you made that transition pretty well, considering (laughs) how well you guys have done. Um, But I'm going to try to go through some results here, and I'm going to try to keep it uh, in mostly chronological order of when they've happened. Um, so this is again, just kind of reviewing some of the fall results that we've had so far this year. And just as a disclaimer before we even get through these, there have been like way too many invitationals for us to go through all of them. <laughs> so many. We're lots gonna, and
0: lots of invitationals. Right.
1: So we're, we're going to try to take a couple samples of some of the top tournaments from each region. Um, Again, if we didn't mention a tournament that your team did well at, it's not that we don't think you're good. It's not that we don't think it's worthy of being discussed. It's just there are too many. So with that in mind, uh, the first one we wanted to mention is the Mumbo Jumbo Invitational hosted by Tufts. Um, the winners there were Wash U St. Louis as well as South Carolina. Um, I'm Ben, you guys were at Mumbo, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, we, we had two teams okay. there. You guys were at Mumbo. Um so what I'm gonna try to do here is like you know when when there's a, when one of the two of you had a team there, I'll kind of quickly go to you and we'll we'll hear about what you guys thought of it. okay, well, let's start with you then, Ben. what did you think of mumbo? what'd you see? who'd you guys face if you can even remember it because I know it was a little while ago
0: yeah we because i i see here um i think we probably would have gotten to this later but i think penn state actually took third at mumbo oh um, yeah so they did they had a good team um if i recall correctly yeah so we um we had a high challenge at mumbo and we challenged uh yale and so we played yale in round one and, and they were very good um and this was a an unstacked team that i sent to mumbo so i think i'm looking here yeah we played harvard um we played yale played Northwestern. So we saw a lot of really good teams. Um, I'm definitely not surprised at all to see the two teams that were at the top. Um, you know, South Carolina is very, very good. WashU was always very good. Uh, Yale and Tufts rounded out the, uh, the top teams. So I don't have a ton of thoughts from mumbo just cause it was a little while ago. Uh, I will say, you know, with sort of Yale star and Harvard star. We saw Sarah Campbell from Yale, Travis Harper from Harvard. Um, They're both very good. I actually got a chance to judge Harvard recently and was pretty impressed by them. I was impressed both by Travis and also by Audrey Vanderslice, Um, thought they were pretty solid. So I think Mumbo, even though it was a little bit earlier into the fall season compared to some of the other tournaments we're going to talk to, like these teams you see here, the South Carolina, Penn State, Yale, Tufts, WashU, not surprised at all to see those teams at the top of the field right now.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that makes sense. Uh well, Dan, uh obviously third was not enough to be on my radar cuz <laughs> uh but I will ask you from what you heard from that team any any interesting tidbits you got? Yeah, um we actually
2: also played Harvard and Yale. Uh and I think they also had Cornell and I am blanking on the fourth. But I guess the main takeaway that I got from that tournament and a theme I've been noticing across the board is That team came back and was talking so much about how nice the other teams were. And I've honestly noticed that in my invitationals too. I think people are so glad to be back in person that I've seen a more friendly vibe than I have in the past. Um, The team that came back, they just said that the the teams were so nice uh, when there was an issue with the judge. They both went to tab and kind of supported each other. And that made me really happy to hear about Um, in terms of competitiveness, they said they were amazing. But I honestly took away from that the most that, you know, in-person mock trial is back and we are all happy to be there.
0: Yeah, I'll jump in really quick. I mean, that's such a great observation. And I've noticed the exact same thing. I think people are just glad to be back at these tournaments, glad to not be sitting in front of their computers. And I think that people are, like, I don't think it's a conscious effort. I don't think everybody's like, we're going to be nicer this year. It's just that people are just happy to be seeing each other, happy to be all in the same room, happy to be traveling. And I definitely have noticed that same thing about just sort of an increase in positivity across the board.
1: I think that that's so great to hear. I mean, obviously as someone that hasn't been to a lot of in-person tournaments, uh, you know, in any capacity. Um, that's awesome to hear. I mean, that's so much of what we talk about is what, you know, the whole point of this is, is to you know, be nice to each other. And it's a fun activity that we're all just college kids that are spending way too much time doing this activity and hearing that type of positivity is just amazing to hear. And it's a good lesson to everyone that, you know, that, that should be your goal. If you're, if you're a team that isn't being nice to other people think long and hard about why you're doing that. But in the interest of time, uh, let's go ahead and continue on. We don't want to linger too long in any area and we'll be back to the Boston area a little bit later. So um, moving down South to the tobacco road tournament hosted by Duke um, our top two teams there were Florida State as well as Georgia Tech. I'm sure it surprises a lot of people to hear those two names uh, for a Southern tournament. Um, ben, obviously you guys were at Toro, so I'll go back to you. Um, what would you think of it?
0: Great tournament. Um, I've said on this podcast before that Toro is consistently one of my absolute favorite invitationals every year. Uh, and so I, you know, we had a really awesome experience there. Uh, I was just sort of glancing at the tab summary because we had two teams there. And um they were both unstacked and one of our unstacked teams uh played UVA in round one. We had a really good split with them. Uh and then we played Duke. Uh I'm trying to see here, uh, South Carolina. Like we played a lot of the teams that that did well there. Um, I see here this is another tournament where Penn State finished third uh and had some success. So I think with Toro, you know, what was interesting, right, is it was with Toro and Mumbo. I think back on those now, because those were obviously now over a month ago, um, It is remarkable how much I feel like the case developed from those tournaments to Gamtee and Boston Tea Party, which we'll get to later. And so I think at, I noticed this really at Mumbo and then also at Toro, a lot of teams were just figuring stuff out. You know, they were just like, you know, there there were just little mistakes that were made here and there, little things that probably had been taught but hadn't sunk in yet. And I was definitely noticing a lot of that, just trying to, figure out how these in-person tournaments run and how this works and and what we're all doing. But I, I, every year I say to the toe row folks, please never stop inviting us because it is consistently one of my favorite tournaments. And I am definitely not surprised in particular to see Florida state at the top of this list. I think they are another team that is experienced coming off of a very successful season, have some very, very talented people, uh and and really could make some noise this year as we kind of flag teams as we go along that we think could make some noise i certainly think that florida state's got to be in that sort of top 15 list of
1: teams that you keep an eye on makes a lot of sense well uh dan i believe this was you that was at that tournament uh correct me if yes. i'm wrong well considering you got an award there i would hope Um, (laughs) one would (laughs) think that would be a little concerning right so dan tell me about it from your guys end. obviously you guys got third six and two record very very impressive what'd you think of it yeah first of all i want to second what ben said it is a
2: fantastic tournament also one of my favorite tournaments of the year from how it's run the durham courthouse is gorgeous and just nothing negative to say about that tournament um Also agree, it did seem like people were figuring things out. Uh, We were figuring things out, so that makes sense. One of my main takeaways from that, we actually got to verse uh, Georgia Tech, who was second place, and they really blew me away. They were phenomenal. Um, They had, across the board, incredibly strong attorneys, fun, engaging, interesting witnesses with cool demos. Uh, As far as my competitions in this semester, they were definitely a highlight for me. Georgia Tech, I think for
1: me as a team to watch, they they were really awesome. Well, I think that it is, you know, a lot of the, the usual suspects, for lack of a better phrase, that we're seeing doing really well at both of these two tournaments. Um, I want to now take our attention and kind of shift it out west. Um, we're going to go ahead and look at the Average American Mock Trial Imitational hosted by Cal Berkeley. Um, obviously, with this being a West Coast tournament, um, I think that we can all three agree that we have a little bit less perspective on it. And to all of those of you that are our listeners on the West Coast that are just frustrated that we don't know more, I am sorry that we don't. Uh, that we they, we are a couple East Coasters, and we we do our best to stay balanced. But um, taking the top two spots here was UCLA. Um, I'm sure that shocks a lot of people. UC <laughs> Berkeley took third, and then um, as we mentioned um, this program earlier, Stanford managed to get fourth and fifth. So, top three, top five spots taken by three programs um, that I think a lot of you probably could have guessed. But um, it seems like just kind of the the same teams that usually are really, really good over there are still really, really good. Um, (laughs) And I just, I will briefly say on this um, without, you know, having seen any of them go, I really feel like after this last year when we had the geographically kind of diverse. Uh, regionals and orcs and we saw kind of an overrepresentation of the west coast programs i really feel a little bit more for a lot of the kind of the other top uc schools and other just really solid programs that are out there that kind of are always kind of getting left to the wayside because they go to an orcs with ucla uc berkeley and stanford and all the other fantastic uc san diego you, you know there are just so many good programs over there at this point and there's just not enough spots in one orcs. So I, I certainly feel for them. But uh, if either of the two of you have taken a chance at, to look at this tab summary, anything else you wanted to mention before we move on?
0: I'll just jump in briefly. I haven't seen any of these teams this year, but I mean, these are all, I was just looking at the power rankings, their top 26 teams. Cause UCLA is sixth right now. Stanford is 10th and Berkeley is 26th. Uh, and so You know, I feel like sometimes people think it's kind of like cheap, easy analysis to be like, oh, top team's doing well. But I actually think that's noteworthy and interesting that you saw. I I don't know for sure, but what I'm guessing are unstacked teams from these programs, you know, doing well at one of the best West Coast Invitationals uh, that, that we're aware of this year. Because I think it shows that those teams transitioned to online, had success online, and now have transitioned back to doing this in person because I, I believe that um, that empty was, was in person. Somebody checked me on that, but uh, you know, either way that these programs are continuing to uh, transition. Well, yeah, it doesn't say on zoom on the tab summary. So I believe it was in person uh, and, and it just doesn't really surprise me at all. Especially if you look even further on the tab summary, sixth place was Oregon, another program who's always good out there. And seventh place was another Berkeley team. And so you just continue to see, The power of of those programs out there uh i will also note that there were a couple other uh good programs usually very strong programs that had teams here that weren't able to break through uh usc had two programs portland had a team there uh like couple teams that are are usually pretty strong but were edged out by the by these top powers so I don't have a whole lot else to add, but I certainly think it's noteworthy. Again, when you're keeping a list of, okay, who are these going to, who are these teams that are going to be in it at the end? All three of those teams, Berkeley, uh, UCLA, and Stanford certainly seem like they would be on that list.
1: Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, in kind of returning back uh, to where we maybe have a little uh, closer to home and a little more knowledge, uh, we're going to go to Northwestern's mock at the rock um, and just their second year running that program, that tournament. But, um, very successful one and had a lot of great teams there, a great Midwest showing. Um, our top team there was Cincinnati, and coming in second was Wash U St. Louis. Um, I think that this is another one where, like, a lot of the kind of prominent Midwestern teams are showing up. Uh, I don't – I am apologize for not having known this beforehand, but I don't think Penn State had a team there. Did you guys, Dan? No, we weren't there. Okay. Um, well, I will say that this is at least – closer to your realm so do you have any thoughts on any of the teams that were there or any teams that you might have seen um in that general area just to to add a little bit to it so that we can pretend to have some midwest representation here
2: yeah uh i saw Rhodes at Gampty. i think they took third at that tournament they were phenomenal um again across the board they had a style that we hadn't seen very often um, we don't really get to verse midwestern teams too often but they were, they were just great. I have nothing bad to say about them. They put on an amazing performance. Uh, also, Northwestern, I know they didn't have the best success at this Invitational, but I did get a chance to see them at Scarlet and Gray, and they were, I was talking about nice teams. They were one of the nicest teams I have ever seen. Um, they were incredibly friendly. They recognized us at Toro and came up and said hi. So a great program. You know, it's, it's always been a pleasure seeing them.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Um, I think just to go through, you did mention Rhodes. Uh, fourth place was Case Western and fifth place was uh, UCLA again, coming down from West Coast and taking names over there. Um, but, you know, Case Western and UCLA, obviously, both also very, very strong programs. And good to see Rhodes recovering from having uh, missed out on Nationals last year and getting a very nice, successful tournament for sure. Um, ben, anything you want to add before we move on?
0: Yeah, I'll say very briefly, seeing Cincinnati at the top is interesting. They're a fascinating program. I'm never really sure exactly what to expect from them. I feel like they're they're sort of in the category of they had those couple of years where they were at Nationals pretty regularly, and, and I feel like they're sort of a bubble Nationals team now where um, I don't remember off the top of my head if they were at Nationals last year, but they're always a threat to be at Nationals. I feel like they're not usually a threat to go too far at nationals but to see them win a tough tournament like this is certainly interesting and I just don't know what to expect from them uh, and I actually kind of think wash u they're a little stronger I would say but they kind of fall into a similar category where they're good they're very good um and, and I'll be fascinated to see you know we've seen their name pop up a couple times winning mumbo uh, and and taking second at, at mock at the rock and so I wonder if there may be a team that we could see, uh, make a jump, uh, and maybe move into the, into the top group. Cause I think they're ranked, um, just looking here, uh, they're currently ranked 52nd. So they're like right on the edge there, but not quite, you know, it looks like they won six and a half ballots at orcs last year. Uh, so they probably were just a ballot or two away from, uh, getting through the nationals. But the year before that, they won seven ballots at orcs according to the TPR. Uh, if this is, calculated i can't tell if this is calculated based on the average or not but they had a very successful season last year and this year so i'll be interested to keep an eye on them and i think that's all i got
1: all right well moving back to home base in the northeast uh we've got yale's tournament um and this uh obviously yale's been hosting this tournament for a little while but they had uh, maryland college park coming in first and we do need to specify that because they are not uh the the maryland team that we often see coming in top anymore um Cornell came in second, though. Uh, Arizona, which I thought was kind of interesting. Definitely wanted to note that Arizona coming pretty far away um, to come in third. And then we had Lafayette in fourth and then BU in fifth. Um, Okay, so I know, Dan, that there was a Penn State team here. I don't believe this was your team, but you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, that was not my team. Not your team. Okay. Do you know anything about the team that was there and how they did and what they thought of Yale's tournament?
2: Um, yeah, we have a great history going to Yale. We've always enjoyed that tournament. Uh, Our team didn't have the most success, but they did versus Maryland. uh, And I think it's really impressive how they performed. I mean, first place, especially with this being online, uh, I think Maryland's shown that this year that they can be successful regardless of the format, which, especially with uncertainty uh, looking forward, I think that's a very strong sign for them. And, you know, that's definitely a standout to watch.
1: You know, I, I wanted to mention, um, just because your team faced them, and I, I don't know, I'm, this was not prepared beforehand, so Dan, if you have no perspective on this, please do not, you know, feel free to say that you, you don't know, but, um, your team faced Howard, and I'm always just curious to hear about Howard because they're such a nice and fun program, I adore them, and they were actually at Black Squirrel, which was, um, a weekend or two ago that we kind of gla- glanced over. Um, but I know that they were there and they weren't as successful as I kind of was expecting Howard to be with just how strong they were. I know they managed to take both in that round against Penn state. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts or, or knew anything about them. And again, I, this wasn't prepared beforehand. So let me know if, if, you know, if you have no perspective on it or didn't hear anything about it, feel free to say so. Yeah, no worries. I actually watched that round. Oh, well then perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then it was planned. I knew it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if they were stacked. Um, I thought they had some amazing, amazing competitors. Uh, I actually recognized one of them from two years ago. I think his name was uh, Jada Peets. I want to say, um, but they they were just great. I mean, they they play a really interesting style. They tend to be, in my eyes, a little bit more entertaining, mm-hmm. um, and they definitely play up the flash of mock trial.
1: Oh yeah. So it, it was a great round. I think they definitely deserve those ballots. Well, Ben, I know you guys didn't have anyone uh, at Yale's tournament, but these are a lot of teams that you often see. Um, Any thoughts you wanted to add before we move on?
0: Yeah, I will echo the thoughts about our friends uh, a couple miles down I-95. They are very good. It has been very cool to see Maryland climb back into the top ranks of mock draw programs where they absolutely belong. Uh, As I think I mentioned a little while ago, I got a chance to judge them uh, not too long ago at... at, um, boston tea party maybe i would i, w- I judge them yeah it was at boston tea party uh and they're good they're they're you know i feel like they just have so much talent that when they put it all together they're a rock solid program and i can see why they're climbing back into the top group i actually had a really fun time judging them because one of my former students hamza uh competed for us as a freshman was actually uh, won an all region award as a freshman and then transferred to college park. Cause we always, I feel like every year I lose one transfer to college park, you know, <laughs> going to the, the big state school. And, uh, so I got to judge him and that was a lot of fun. Um, it was them and, and Wash U, who we've mentioned a couple of times. And that was a, a really good trial. So not surprised at all to see Maryland at the top of this list and to echo Dan's point to see them jumping back and forth, uh, between in person and, and online. Cause Yale's was online is pretty cool. And then I'll briefly mention before we move on, Cornell taking second place. You know, we talked a fair amount about Cornell last year because you had this fascinating situation where they were still an A-group team at Orcs, even though they hadn't competed the year before. We ended up playing them at Orcs last year, and they were very good, but they definitely were young. You could tell that that program was kind of rebuilding from not competing the year before. And so to see them kind of pop up and have some success, it's just interesting because when UMBC started to get good five, six, seven years ago, Cornell was a top five elite team. They had that year where they had, I think, two teams in the top five in their respective divisions and nationals, and they were just this juggernaut. Um, and so it will be very interesting to see, you know, how long it takes them to kind of climb back into those ranks. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think that's about it from that field.
1: Well, uh, I think let's return one last time back out to the West Coast, and we're going to take a look at the Mocktopia tournament. Um, and I think that what I'll just highlight here is to the point that I made earlier, remember that we said the top teams, there were UCLA, UC Berkeley, and Stanford. And now the top teams at Mocktopia were UC San Diego, UC Davis, UC Irvine, then UC Santa Cruz, and then UC Irvine again, um, rounding out that those top five. And why I point that out is that we're seeing that there are, you know, four other programs that are all taking top top spots at a very, very difficult, very impressive tournament. Those are a lot of teams that have been making it to nationals and doing very, very well. And to my point, I mean, holy cow, the fact that this one region has that many teams is just a little bit brutal. Um, I talked a lot about the West Coast last time, but I will throw back to you guys any of those teams uh anything you guys want to mention about them before we move back
0: yeah i'll say this really quick it's so funny you say that drew because you know i'm, lo- I'm looking at tpr here right so we mentioned the uh, those other three teams none of whom i believe were at this tournament and then you go just a couple spots down and you have irvine at 29 and uc san diego at they're okay they're tied they're tied for 29th currently in tpr um UC santa cruz is a little lower they're down in the 130s um, and I think Davis is uh, – oh, wait, no, Davis – oh, Davis is also tied at 29. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> I didn't see them because they were below Lincoln Center. But Irvine, San Diego, and Davis are all tied yeah. at number 29 on the TPR list. And that's crazy. Like those are – it's like six California teams in the top 30. And you think about being able to climb to that level while still having to compete against the UCLAs, the Stanfords, and the Berkeleys of the world. Uh, those
1: are three really, really good programs, as well as Davis, who's excellent as well. It's just brutal. But like, what this means, by the way, is that a team like UC Santa Cruz, who who again got fourth in Mocktopia, and I'll I'll quickly mention they got second at Black Squirrel. This is a strong, strong team. Like they are very, very good. But you know, these poor guys are facing these juggernauts, the top thirty TPR teams, doing nothing but that. Um, through all of regionals, orcs invites. I mean, it's just. It is a, a tough region to be in, and we definitely sympathize with those folks.
0: And I didn't even mention—I just looked at this. You go three spots
1: down, and you get UCLA B. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, so it's like it just just doesn't stop. No, it's definitely not a fun place to be right now, um, in terms of mock trial success. And if you want to stand out from the crowd, you have a tough road ahead of you. Um, but no, definitely uh, impressive from all of those programs. As we said, they are—they do not have it easy out there. I will mention that this program, uh, this sorry, this tournament was online. So you did have a couple of fun teams like Furman, uh, GW, uh, McAllister, MIT. um, Kind of getting programs from all over come in, and I think that's a lot of fun just to see a couple of uh, uh, online the the way that online mock trial allows for that type of uh, interactions and get to face teams you wouldn't normally get to face. Um, but with that, let's move right along to Gampty. I think Gampty is what most people view as the kind of the one of the, if not the top fall uh, imitational that we get. And in order, we have a team that you might have heard of one of the two of you, at least uh, Penn State got first, then another one that I think we may talk about sometimes, UMBC, and then Rhodes got third, Tufts in fourth, and then OSU in fifth. So since you guys won it, Dan, I'll go to you first. How did that tournament go? I mean, that's got to feel pretty good getting first.
2: Yes. Uh, that was our first time in a long time getting an invite to Gampti. So going into that, we we didn't like expect to win. We always obviously try to win. But we were just going there with the mindset, this is going to be great experience. These teams are all phenomenal. We're going to learn from this, and we're going to use this to be as strong as we can. Uh, and I think we did get that. The teams were phenomenal. Uh, But we definitely were not going into it with that kind of mindset. So it was super exciting to come out on top. Uh, Yeah, I mean, not much to say other than just great close rounds. We didn't verse a single, even mid-level team. All of the teams we versed were just phenomenal. Um, I'm very thankful this tournament exists because this field is just, it's remarkable. Dan, I got to
0: ask, you know, I saw... For those who don't know, by winning Gamte, you you take possession of a traveling trophy, which is a large gavel. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And I saw that
2: you all uh, took a couple fun uh, pictures with that gavel. Yes. Yeah, we definitely got in almost every pose imaginable. (laughs) We were on cloud nine at that point. Uh, I remember we were in the parking lot. Everybody was driving away, and we were just under this streetlight, ironically, given the case um trying to get good lighting to see our faces in the photo uh and we yeah that hammer i didn't know that existed we (laughs) saw them pull that out and just wow it's uh we're looking for a home for it still our office at school is very tiny so we're trying to find a place to hang it up but i mean i've never seen a tournament with
1: anything like that so the hammer was definitely a plus Well, to be fair to your recruitment strategy, Dan, I think it may come in handy next fall when you're recruiting. You can just swing (laughs) a hammer at people and say, join Mock Trial. Even better. (laughs) And because
0: I I would just not be doing my job if I didn't do this. I know the problem, Dan, of trying to find a place to store a large trophy. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I can't can't not do it. Um, But no, I'll jump in real quick because we took second at Gamzee. Great tournament. Um, And one of the things I love about Gamte in its most recent iteration the last couple years it's a small tournament this year Gamte i think was 16 teams and so you are going to see not that there's ever bad teams at Gamtee, but you are going to see four really great teams uh we played Rhodes, who finished third and we played ohio state who finished fifth both were excellent we also played miami um and i'm just blanking off the top of my head who the fourth team we played was but it was just a Blast to be able to be at Camt. I do wish we'd gotten our shot at you guys, Dan. We were hoping (laughs) that maybe you know we would, but we were side constrained against each other in round four. But you know that's all right. I mean, you guys were a deserving winner, and 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 it was really exciting to see. So I, I will say, given that. You know, Gamte's place in the community is kind of fascinating right now because with the downtown gone for a couple of years now, honestly, I'm not sure how many of our listeners even know <laughs> what the downtown is anymore. Um yeah. and with Cubate and Brick not happening anymore, mm-hmm. uh, like Gamte kind of stands alone. I think Chicago Great Chicago Fire is probably the other tournament that's now risen into Gamte level. Mm-hmm. But I would say that Gamte is pretty much indisputably the, the top tournament, top invitational tournament in the country. Um, we certainly market it that way whenever we place. Um, and so it is really interesting to see that that tournament has kind of persisted as, as a lot of the other tournaments that were maybe in its category uh, have taken hiatuses or fallen away. Uh, and I am not surprised to see the results from any of the teams uh, here. Rhodes is great. Tufts is great. Uh, you know, it's such an elite tough field but to to close this thought i still noticed going back dan to what you said earlier even at Gamtee, which i will confess not always the nicest tournament you know we've had some experiences <laughs> at Gamtee with folks being mm-hmm. not super friendly not this year we had a great time everyone couldn't be friendlier um yes e- even against teams that like and this is not a shot, but like, like a program like Miami, I really like Miami and they're not mean, but they tend to just kind of focus on what they're doing, right? They're, they're Miami, they're all business, whatever. And they were really friendly and we had a really nice time playing them. So I think people are kind of taking that, that attitude that you mentioned to heart.
1: Again, I think that's so great to hear. And, and that's an amazing thing to hear about just seeing those top teams start to embody that, uh, that we talk about so much. Um, I think Gamtee is a tournament we could talk about for so long. One last thing I wanted to mention before we move on. Uh, there's a, a high school competitor who I mentioned a while ago. And I said, <laughs> it's a name to watch. And He's currently a freshman and he got an award at GAMT. And that's Ethan Marks goes to UVA and he's already on their A team as a freshman. And I'm telling you now, I mean, he won Gladiator. So obviously he's good, but I was right. I called it. He's pretty good at this activity. <laughs> and I just wanted to note that. Um and give him that shout out. Um sad so I didn't convince him to go to Haverford, but it's okay. Okay, <laughs> moving along. Um, so the next one we want to talk about, and this was kind of a the the last tournament of the you know this winter fall, whatever invitational cycle, um, kind of thrown together as a, a fun final tournament was the Boston Tea Party, hosted jointly by Tufts and Harvard. Promised we'd get back to the Boston area, and here we're doing it. Um, So at the Boston Tea Party, in first place, we had Tufts mock trial, followed closely behind by UMBC, then Harvard, then Tufts again, and then finally, Maryland College Park. Um, You know, this was obviously, again, the the latest tournament that we've had, the most recent one. So Ben, um, considering you guys, again, got second there as well, I'll quickly just go to you, kind of your thoughts just coming out of that uh, relatively recently.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. This was a you know, I think Bennett said at closings this was supposed to be a scrimmage, <laughs> um, and then it turned into a 12-team tournament. So it's definitely on the smaller side, but it was a really, really deep and dynamic field. We had just four fantastic rounds. Uh you said you know we took second place, close behind. It's not quite right. Tufts went oh and or Tufts went eight and zero, and then we were second, winning a CS tiebreak at five and three. Um, they were fantastic. We played them. Uh, I think it was round two, we were both 2-0 and o when we played them, and they swept us, uh, and that was just a blast. I, I will say, um, not to tip cards or anything like that, but there were some extended objection battles in that round between Benedemski and Thomas Azari, uh, and I wouldn't be stunned if that's not the last time that the two of them go head-to-head, whether in a Amta round or maybe a trial-by-combat round, uh, if if that ends up being the case. But it was fun. They They both You know, we've obviously had Bennett on the show before. Thomas is one of my students. And I feel like they're two of the biggest personalities Mm -hmm. in mock trial right now. And at one point, I think Thomas would be okay with me sharing this. But they're arguing an objection. And Thomas just called Bennett, Bennett. (laughs) <laughs> and he says Good well luck. bennett said and then he stops and everybody laughs um and it was just one of those really human moments where kate hayner slattery was one of our judges and everybody just laughed and then thomas was like i'm gonna try that again and it was just it was it was such a joyful funny moment in a really really tough intense round um And so it was just a great tournament. Uh, Tufts and Harvard did an awesome job. That's the tournament where I got a chance to judge a couple of rounds, got a chance to see some really good teams. So I'm super stoked to see what all of those teams are going to do in the spring. And look, you know, last year, I think at one point you asked, I was asked to predict who I thought might win things and and my predictions didn't exactly come true. So I don't want to jinx this team, but I mean, Tufts has got to be up there. You know, we, we talk about them a lot, so I won't belabor the point, but they're just really, really good. I'm sure Bennett is, is you know, he and, and their fellow seniors are really driven to do well this year. And I was very impressed uh, by everything that they did at that tournament.
1: Well, I will turn it over to you, Dan. Uh, I know that you weren't there, but again, you had a team there. Um, and, and as you pointed out earlier and have been able to talk a little bit, um, there's clearly, you know, you guys chat about it and talk about how it went. So can you tell us anything about what Penn State's experience was like there?
2: Yes, uh, this was not our best tournament, um, but we definitely learned a lot. We went to that tournament. We said that was our last tournament of the semester. We were done after that point. Um, and we definitely went away with very good feedback from the judges. Um, from what I've heard, they used a lot of very, very successful alumni from Tufts. I mean, we do the same thing for our tournaments. Um, and we got really unique feedback that we we thought was a little bit consistent with across the judges as to what they were expecting for good mock trial. And I'm really happy that we got that feedback. I have noticed through the years that I'm of the belief that there is a geographic difference in preferences of style and how mock trial is done. And we definitely learned a lot in terms of how the style is with that region and what those judges were expecting. Um, as far as the teams went, yeah, uh, from what I've heard, UMBC was phenomenal. We went up against you guys first round. I was bummed I couldn't be there to see it. But all of the teams that we hit apparently were were amazing. Uh, again, nothing bad to take from there. One last thing I want to mention, we didn't get a chance to verse Tufts' A team. Uh, we did see their B team. And I just want to shout them out. I've versed them a few times over the years. And like you were saying every time we go against them it's just fun they they're just fun to go against I I feel like they never try to pull a cheap shot they're just good at what they do and they try to do the best and it's looking like they are one of the best at this point they they're they're just great I again I feel it sound like a broken record but awesome awesome team and great people Well,
1: that's what we do for a living that makes us no money. So all the time you do this for a living? (laughs) What are you not telling me? Well, I had to say the phrase, but then I was like, yeah, we don't really make any money. Drew,
0: let me jump in real fast with one other quick thought, and then we should move on, which is it's so funny, Dan, what you're saying about Tufts. In our round, and again, I'm not going to give away anything, but like they ran a pretty wild theory. Oh. And (laughs) it like... It's the type of theory that I think you run it an invite. Maybe you wouldn't run it at an amateur tournament. And again, I don't want to tip anybody's hand or give away any of their strategy or anything. But it was it was such a good experience for us because they did exactly what you were describing, where they were so good and so solid while also running this really interesting theory. And so we were forced to adapt. And clearly, they you know handled it better than we did because we we dropped the ballots to them. And so there are so many teams that are like that. I think you guys at Penn State are like that. Um, you know, teams like Tufts, teams like Harvard, teams like some of the West Coast teams that we played where I look forward to those rounds because even if we drop a ballot or both ballots, we get better because we played that team. And that's what I feel like, you know, I, that was true about our round against Penn, Penn State. You know, we won those ballots at, at the Penn State UMBC round, but it was a good, tough round where you all made some really smart objections that were like, oh, we need to be prepared for those. and <laughs> And that I think is is sort of the hallmark of a lot of the rounds that we've seen over the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Just for the record, Dan, uh, I don't know what Tufts teams you've seen uh, go at invitationals, but clearly you never saw their Joker Remy Mouchard that I saw as a judge once uh, during the <laughs> part the, uh, what's it called? Was, uh, the damn hiking and Parker Eider, Jordan. Ryder yes. case. Yeah. Uh, that was an interesting case theory that they ran. And uh, I do agree with everything that's been said and I adore Tufts program, but uh they definitely love to throw curve balls and have some fun uh, when it's an invites. Um, so that about wraps up our kind of invitational review. Um, again, we are not going to be able to hit all of the tournaments and I apologize if we skipped a tournament that either your program hosted um, or uh, that you did well at, you know, good job at doing that. Um, but in the interest of time, we're going to go ahead and, and move forward uh, and kind of talk a little bit about how, what, what's going on with the rest of the community and, and, in Montreal globally. So Ben, I'll, I'll throw it over to you.
0: Yeah, so I don't want to dwell on this for for too long, but uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun discussing all of these tournaments, but everybody understands the way the world is right now with with cases, you know, covid cases rapidly rising and a lot of things starting to maybe shift back to online or things like that. And I guess I just kind of wanted to talk about this briefly and acknowledge I'm guessing, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing a lot of people out there are feeling the way that I'm feeling right now, which is, and I'll put the usual disclaimer in front of this. There are so many things that are more important than mock trial in this context. We're a mock trial podcast. So we're gonna talk about the impact this has on mock trial, but people's health and safety and well-being wellbeing is, is a million times more important. But with that aside, I am someone, mock trial is a huge part of my life. It is literally my full-time job. Uh, the notion of going back, completely online for next spring just sounds absolutely miserable. And I want to be really brutally honest that it's hard to even think about having now the the law school world is still mostly online, but having gone to several really great in-person invitationals and seen how carefully the community is working to be safe, which we talked about that with Rhea and I've seen the same thing being on the road. It is just a tough pill to swallow uh, and it will take a lot of effort if if that's what ends up happening. If, if you know, and I don't know if it will, but I will say that if it does, we'll figure it out. You know, it's more important that we as a community are safe uh, and that we keep each other healthy than it is to kind of push through and force online or in-person tournaments when it's not safe and not being able to do so. So, I guess my main message, and, and then I'll be curious for y'all's thoughts and Dan, your thoughts on all of this is. You know, go get your booster. If you haven't gotten your booster already, go get your booster. Um, I am curious to see what AMTA is going to do in terms of uh, both locations of tournaments and format, but also they haven't, as of the time of recording this, released their specific COVID protocols yet. Uh, And I'll be interested to see what those are like. Are they going to go as far as to require vaccines? I'm going to assume there'll be a mask policy in place, but, but who really knows? There's just a lot that's uncertain right now And I am guessing that others are feeling similar to me and that that uncertainty is not easy to deal with, given how much this activity and this community means to all of us.
2: Yeah. I will cry a lot if we go online. I feel (laughs) Uh, you. I really do. It's a really depressing prospect, but agree completely. We have to do what is sensical and what is safe. Uh, Also want to echo in my experience too, I've competed in three invitationals all in person. The teams have been across the board, honestly, perfect with wearing their masks. I have not seen a single issue with teams refusing to wear masks, with it over you know not being over the nose. I haven't seen any of that. I really respect all of the people I've seen and competed against for doing that. Uh, I know we take that very seriously, that we need to have the mask on. And there's no, no excuses, no exceptions. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can find a way, given the community's willingness to make it work, to be in person, um, I do think that Amta is in a very tough position. I think it's going to come down to them having to balance. You know, these couple of schools went online. What do we do? And you know, how what percentage of them are online and no longer able to compete in person? And they have to try to cater to everybody. And I, I really don't envy their position and having to do that because there is no perfect decision. But uh, I do. I definitely think that they're going to just have to look at. You know who's able to compete and who are we not going to allow to compete if we keep it in person. Um, I'm really optimistic that we can find a way if everybody gets vaccinated. I know we would be fine. I think we put in that survey to sent out. We are willing to do whatever it takes to be in person. <laughs> we strongly prefer that. So
1: I'm optimistic we'll find a way, but it is a concern. Yeah. I mean, look, without making this overly political, like it, for it, it shouldn't be political. Like, Get vaccinated, get your boosters and wear masks. Like I just, I mean, obviously it's not that the mock trial community alone can make a difference on this. And I want to believe that majority of people uh, are already taking those steps. But the quickest way to ending this pandemic is to like have everyone just get boosted and get vaccinated and, and be protected and safe. And then it stops the spread. And then we stop having all these different mutations and all the rest and this is not a covid podcast but good god please get boosted and wear masks um because i i look as someone that's not competing i i will not pretend to to know the level of of pain that you guys would suffer if it goes back to online but i know that it's it's not the same um and i know that how important it is to so many people that that we are able to do it in person and i i hope that what you guys are saying is is right, that we're able to do it um, and that AMTA is going to put every effort that they can to make that happen. But um, it's, it's one of those things where it kind of takes everyone. It takes us all coming together and saying, we're going to do this right. Um, and we're going to, we're going to do what we can to follow the rules and be as safe as we can. And um, look, uh, you know, I know that there are a lot of schools that are in various states that can't mandate things. Um, but, I will just say that I think there's nothing wrong with a program mandating things for themselves. And that's my opinion on it. But I think that, you know, you you should take a long, hard look at yourself if you're not. Um, so I guess that's that's kind of my thoughts on this. I I just it sucks. And it's, you know, we thought we were kind of over this and moving forward. And I feel like with this pandemic, it's just always been one step forward, 10 steps back.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll just say this really quick, which is. <laughs> I I, mean, obviously, you know, Drew, I agree with everything you said. I've been very clear about that, and you know, we've discussed this in the past. I think what what's keeping me optimistic right now is exactly what Dan mentioned a moment ago, which is what I've seen is, is the same almost universally, with one or two very tiny exceptions, everyone making absolutely every effort to keep each other safe. Um, and if we can continue that, I think there's a chance given, you know, like the willingness of the community and the understanding that if we want to have this thing that we all care about, you know, we need to to do it and we need to do the right thing in order to keep each other safe. I certainly hope that it doesn't become such a fixation that we're not willing to see reality if things get so bad that we just have no choice. And I think to will just make the tough decision at that point. And as you said, Dan, I don't envy the people, you know, Brandon Harper and, 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 you know, Watt and others who have to make those decisions. But I do think that they have our best interests at heart and they're going to do the best they can to make this a successful season. So I guess the, the, the primary message that I would send is please those of you who are out there, who are listening, who are feeling the way that Dan described the way that I described, you know, Take care of yourselves this is this is something that matters to people. if you're listening to minute fifty eight of a mock trial podcast, then like either someone is holding you hostage and forcing you to, or you care about this activity and I'm guessing it's probably the latter category, and so you should not feel like this isn't a valid thing like this is a valid thing to feel upset about that this is something that might be taken away this in person activity that we all care about. And it's okay to be upset and be frustrated about that. I know I am. Um, And so take care of yourself. Talk to someone about that. Acknowledge that that's something that you're feeling. And then we can work together as a community to keep each other safe and to make sure that we're able to have uh, a successful spring season the way that, that we're all hoping for. But I think that's about all the thoughts that I've got on the subject. You know, Dan, Drew, anything before we wrap this up?
2: Yeah, I just, I hope. Everybody gets vaccinated. Like like I think Drew was saying, you know, we can end this. I've been win I got my booster this morning. I've been windmilling my arm during this podcast. <laughs> um yeah, there's a way to do it. We just have to
1: do it. Simple as that. I think you guys have covered it. Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh well Dan, it was it was awesome to have you on the show. Uh, you know, I really hope that Penn State continues to have the success that you all have been having this fall. Uh and it was really cool to hear about how you all are doing things. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll wrap us up by saying, you know, thanks for coming on the show and looking forward to just kind of seeing what the spring
2: holds for Penn State. Of course. Again, thank you for having me and good luck to you and your program, I guess, as we move towards Ampha. You're, you're coming to State College, right?
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're coming to your neck of the woods. We're, we're looking forward to it. We we actually haven't been up there before, so we're, we're super stoked to be up your way.
1: Well, good luck, Dan. And Good luck with the the booster. Hope hope it goes over uh, not too painfully for your arm. But uh, glad to hear it, man.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on, and to everybody listening, it's really great to be back in your feeds. We appreciate your patience, as Drew and I both survived our fall semesters. We've got some really interesting content coming your way over the next couple of weeks, as we both got a little bit more time to kind of work on this stuff and get a few more episodes out and now that Drew survived first semester 1L, hopefully we'll be able to hop on the mics every so often and keep things going.
1: And to be clear, survived is the correct verbiage there.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> as a former first semester 1L, I chose that word very specifically. But, but uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's just really a pleasure to be with you, as always. And we're looking forward to being back on the mics very soon. Until we do that, until next time, everyone have a fantastic, safe, and wonderful holiday season. A very happy new year. We will see you in 2022. This has been the mock review. With ben and Drew.